0: Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of the 90s, regression, and Eastern Block knockoffs. Never Revive Your Tamagotchi was originally released on February 8th of 2022, and is read to you tonight by Nicholas Allen, with musical backing by Miu. There are many terrors which hide within the Cabinet of Fever Dreams, but want to hear one of your own? Hit us up at cabinetoffeverdreams@gmail.com at gmail.com, with the subject line, horror, in your childhood fear, and who knows? Maybe we'll get re-traumatized in an upcoming episode. With all that said, sit down on your race car carpet and get ready to be transported to a different realm.
1: There's nothing like moving back into your childhood bedroom to kickstart a regression. I was 27. I had lost both my job of five years and my relationship of six. One of those fires precipitated the other, but before I could figure out where the blaze had started, my adult life was cinder, and I was back in a cramped room with a racetrack carpet. I had not seen my memory box since leaving for university, but after two nights of witnessing how age has worsened my father's subsonic snoring, I found myself sentimental. Beneath my bed, covered in a thick layer of dust, was a carton container filled with a ragtag grouping of mementos from my youth. Most of the phones had charge ports that dated back to the early stone age, and I knew that reading through any of the old love letters would tear me apart. But nestled in the remnants of paper wristbands from nights I couldn't remember sat a monolith of the late 90s. My old Tamagotchi. Well, it wasn't a Tamagotchi per se. What I had was a cyber roughly translated from Polish as cyber-creature. A toy identical to a Tamagotchi in all but the fact that no money from its sales travelled back to the Bandai Corporation. Instead, the proceeds from sales of Siboslovenie were split between some enterprising pole with no regard for copyright law, and his associate who sold the toys at the Zakopane open-air market. Trademark infringement or not, my pocket-sized digital animal was a steady companion for the early years of elementary school. In a world of 4K YouTube videos, it was difficult to imagine how a collection of pixels on a keychain could mean so much to me as a kid. But sitting on my racetrack carpet, I yearned for a return to that simplicity. The plastic toy didn't respond to any inputs. Presuming that the batteries for the Cibestro Venier might be dead, I fished around the mementos for something salvageable. At the bottom of the box, gifted once but never worn, was the digital watch I received after my first communion. The button batteries that the watch ran on fit snugly inside of the Sibistro but even then, the toy refused to turn on. Back in the playground days, most of my friends had a digital creature of their own. The nationalities of our knockoffs ranged from Vietnam to Ukraine, but they all functioned the same way. With the help of the plastic key that came with the toy, any amount of neglect could be undone. For a good four years, I carried the small bit of plastic in my pocket, on the off chance the disaster struck. But when I truly needed it, the key was nowhere to be found. I emptied out the whole memory box in the hopes of finding the resuscitation device but it soon became clear that the key had fallen victim to a vacuum cleaner a long time ago. The piece of paper I tried sticking into the Ciber resurrection hole nearly got stuck inside. The edge of my cigarette pack didn't do much better. The only material that seemed to be able to replicate the plastic key was the passport photo of my now ex-partner that I still carried in my wallet. I had to fold the photo a couple of times so that it would fit in the toy. All that I could see was one big green eye watching me. The folded up photo seemed to elicit a click from the plastic innards of the Sibis yet the screen remained dormant. My need to regress the childhood quickly turned into an impotent infantile rage. I was angrier about my station in life, rather than the Tamagotchi not turning on but the big green eyes staring at me from my palm made any self-reflection far too painful. It was around 3am on a Wednesday, the walls of my cramped bedroom were vibrating under the strain of an inhuman snore, and I was furiously slamming a picture of my ex into a knock-off Tamagotchi. Just before the realization that I should go to sleep dawned on me, however, the screen lit up. It was a dim white light at first, but it grew at a worrisome speed. Soon enough, the Tamagotchi screen rivaled the shine of my bedside lamp. Soon enough, it surpassed it. Like a teen trying to hide a portable DVD player, I shoved the toy under my covers. My bedding was thick enough to cut out the light, but the couple of seconds for which I had observed the absurdity were enough to cause concern. For about a minute, I laid in bed, listening to my father snore, trying to make sense of what had just happened. Then, my curiosity got the better of me. In an instant, the light enveloped my entire room. My bedroom was wiped away by a blast of bright blinding white. All went silent, all ceased to exist. The smell of McDonald's takeout and sweat dispersed into the abyss. For a moment, I was stuck in a purgatory of nothingness. I did not stay long. The first thing I felt was the coarse plastic grass beneath my palms. As the white blindness left my eyes and I was able to see my surroundings, the faux grass quickly became irrelevant. All I could feel was hair raising terror. I stood on a square of plastic greenery, suspended in a baby blue sky. Above me there were clouds and beneath the floating mass there was fog, but the island of neon green plastic was the only thing that existed near and far. The space was no bigger than someone's backyard. A blocky shack sat in the center of the landmass with a clean-looking outhouse, a stone's throw away. Outside of the shack, there was an egg twice the size of my skull. It was wet and covered in zigzag lines, and it scared me the most of all. I tried to convince myself that I was having a dream, or maybe a seizure, but I was never good at convincing myself of things. It all felt too real. No amount of pinches to the arm or bites of the cheek brought me back to my bedroom. Not being able to satisfy my urge to escape, I tried to hide. As I made my way into the shack, the wet egg gently swayed from side to side. I did my best not to think about what it could hatch into. The inside of the shack was spartan. Pressed up against the wall was a large shelf filled with dozens of identical burgers that looked like the platonic ideal of fast food. In the middle of the shack sat a lonely soccer ball, Propped up next to the window, rusted and worn, was a giant battle axe. I started pinching myself again, hoping to return to the coherent world of my bedroom. With each peck of the arm, I grew more certain I was trapped. From beyond the window, I could see the egg sway from side to side. It had grown. It had grown considerably. The countdown to the egg hatching on my Sibiskovnje was my first real experience with the concept of time. Prior to that, if I ever asked my parents how long something would take, they would simply tell me to count to 100, or 200, and that would occupy me enough to stop being restless. The timer read 5 minutes. Sitting in the back of my grandfather's car, crossing the border from Poland, the five minutes it took for the Sibir venue to hatch lasted an eternity. Watching the slimy egg bloat up from the inside of my surreal shack, the five minutes went by in a snap. The wet egg swayed from side to side, bloating bigger and bigger until its shell could no longer contain the being trapped inside. With horror, I watched the zigzag pattern split aside. New life burst from the strange egg. A mess of red hair, a flash of pink skin. I barely saw the animal before it ran from the window. The creature had stomped its way behind the wooden shack, but I could still hear its snorts. The sounds were deep and guttural, but they didn't sound like they came from an animal. They sounded strangely human. Thinking that confronting the creature would shorten the absurd nightmare I was stuck in, I opened the door of the shack. The moment I spotted the beast, I slammed the door shut and grabbed the axe. The thing outside was beyond comprehension. The memories I had concerning the Tamagotchi never revolved around the actual toy. My digital pet was just a collection of pixels. What truly brought it to life was my commitment to its well-being. Every morning, before I even got out of bed, I would make sure that my Sibislovenie didn't need to go to the bathroom. My math classes, my social study classes, how most of my elementary school existence was spent with the plastic keychain hidden beneath my desk, making sure my digital friend was well-fed, not bored, and comfortable. The creature itself was just a collection of two dozen pixels. Uh, It was my imagination that sharpened the image. (laughs) Outside the wooden shack stood a monster. It had the plump body of a well-fed pig, but its face was well out of the realm of nature. It looked like an old man who had far too much skin on his face. A tuft of hair that was far too red rested on the beast's scalp. From behind the folds of flesh, two small black eyes stared back at me. The animal seemed to have no interest in me, but I refused to let go of the axe it just roamed around the plain of fake grass occasionally sniffing at the plastic with its oversized human nose. I picked at my skin until I drew blood but my body refused to wake up from the nightmare. After a solid 30 minutes of sheer terror the world turned even more confusing. There was urgency in the animal's call now. Something was wrong. The creature was unhappy. Its discomfort was sending ripples through the strange world I was trapped in. The bright blue sky outside started to crack in streaks of bloody red. The earth shook. The animal was looking at me through the window. Past the flabby skin, I could see the creature's black eyes. It wanted something from me. It didn't take long to figure out what. It was like an optical illusion. The moment I tried to focus in on the floating object above the beast's head, it disappeared. Yet when I looked the hybrid pig in the eyes, I could see it. An image of a burger floating above its head, like the halo of an obese saint. The animal was hungry. The animal wanted to be fed. The pig's demand echoed through the strange world. My wooden shack quivered under the weight of the animal's tenor. Not wanting to see the full extent of the creature's anger I grabbed one of the cold burgers off the shelf and stepped out onto the plastic grass. I didn't realize that I left the axe inside of the shack until I was standing in front of the beast. As the rolls of the pig's face parted to reveal a row of dull, square teeth I found myself fearing for my life, yet when the creature ate the burger from my hands it was gentle. By the time it had gobbled up the meal the universe had calmed. The world I inhabited was still deathly confusing, but its blue sky had returned. The animal went back to wandering through its limited world. With nowhere else to go, I sat down on the rough plastic grass. With no sun in the sky and no watch on my wrist, the concept of time eluded me. For what felt like at least an hour, the animal roamed around the plastic lawn, completely ignoring me. I had gotten lost in my thoughts when it spoke to me once more. Much like the image of the burger, the three jagged lines above the pig's head refused to appear on direct observation. Looking into those dark eyes, I knew exactly what the animal wanted though. Unsure of the creature's dynamics, I opened the door to the outhouse. The beast stood unsteadily on its hind hooves as it entered the latrine, and the sounds that it produced were beyond discomforting. Yet when the pig had finished its business, the outhouse was surprisingly clean. I recognized the burger that floated above the animal's head. I recognized the stink lines. I had seen the signs in my youth. Back when the entire world could be diluted into a handful of pixels hiding beneath my desk, the signs would guide me in caring for my super The floating burger meant the creature was hungry. The stink lines signaled the need to use the bathroom. There was a third symbol that I didn't need to wait for. As the strange creature roamed around its small patch of plastic greenery, I retrieved the soccer ball from inside the shack there was a hint of joy in the pig's throaty cries a big red heart shined above its head we kicked the ball back and forth until i got tired the animal didn't seem to mind our game ending but it was thankful for the attention as i laid on the grass it nuzzled me with its wet human nose i slept on the plastic lawn I slept, hoping that I would wake back up in my childhood bedroom in a world that was discomforting but understandable. When I woke, all I saw was a baby blue sky. The burgers lacked any semblance of taste or smell, but they fed me. The outhouse provided a place to relieve myself, but it never showed any signs of use. My existence in the strange digital world still made me uncomfortable, but I no longer felt the need to pinch at my arms. I knew it wasn't a dream. I knew I was trapped. With no sun in the sky, there were no days to count. At first, I made an effort to keep track of how many meals I had eaten to gather some semblance of the hours that had passed, but I quickly lost count. Time was passing, yet with no way to quantify the passage, it quickly became irrelevant. The thoughts of my unemployment, my housing situation, my broken heart, they all quickly became irrelevant as well. Somewhere in the back of my head I remembered my old life, I remembered the hurts, yet with nothing to remind me of my sorrow, the thoughts quickly drifted away into the realm of the abstract. My responsibilities had changed. I no longer had to earn a paycheck, or balance a social life, or make something of myself. All I had to do was take care of my Sieberstrovenie. With each burger that I ate, with each kick of the soccer ball, my old existence grew distant. All of the responsibilities and pressure of adult life had dissipated into an elaborate version of the imaginary world of my childhood. My digital pet was my only companion, and after a while I felt like I could live out the rest of my existence with nothing but its dark eyes and cold nuzzles. There was no sun to track the days with, yet eventually my body made it impossible to ignore the passage of time. I was far too heartbroken to shave when i first moved in with my parents yet the light scruff i had entered the digital world with had turned into a beard that reached down to my chest my nails had extended far enough to look more like claws there were no mirrors in the strange realm that i was trapped in but when i touched my scalp i could feel the hair on top of my head growing thinner for a couple dozen meals i had tried to ignore the fact that i was aging but as my back started to strain under my games with the Ciber my body's degradation became unavoidable. I had found peace in the strange block of false greenery, yet yeah, a lifetime of peace it was not what I wanted. The breather from reality that the resurrection of my Tamagotchi afforded me was a welcome respite, but I found myself longing for the real world. I wanted to make something of myself, I wanted to have an impact, I wanted to love again, For what felt like weeks, I roamed by the edges of my floating cage trying to figure out how to escape. Leaping down into the bright blue abyss was the first option that came to mind, yet that felt more like a suicide than a plan of escape. The first couple of times the thought sprung up in my mind, I tried to push it away. But as I paced around my wooden shack, the image of the rusty battle axe refused to leave me. I kept on trying to find a different solution, but I kept on circling back to it. The digital realm was based around the sibis If there was no digital animal for me to take care of, there would be no need for me to be imprisoned. Once my nails started getting too long to comfortably hold the weapon, I retrieved it. From beneath the flabs of moist skin, its dark eyes watched me. There was no emotion in them. The creature wasn't scared or disappointed, it just watched me. When I was a kid, the decision to stop feeding my Tamagotchi was not a decision, it simply happened. One day, I was hyper-fixated on my plastic toy, and the next, my attention was elsewhere. The toy spent months, if not years, trapped somewhere in the dust beneath my bed. When I finally found the artifact of my childhood, it was dropped into my memory box, without much ceremony. Standing above the strange creature of pale flesh with a battle-axe was different. I'm sorry, friend, I said, my voice hoarse from not being used for what felt like years. <laughs> my digital friend replied. The animal did not understand, and thus it was not angry. It just watched me, completely ignoring the axe in my hands. I did not wait for my companion to make sense of what I was doing. I just brought the axe down. The blade cut through its neck as if it was room temperature butter. Before the axe hit the ground, reality came crashing down. It was around 3am on a Wednesday and the walls of my cramped bedroom were shaking under my father's snores. I woke up in my bed covered in sweat and blood and looking like a castaway. The Sibis was still in my hands, but the screen was dark. I handled the plastic toy with the sort of care reserved for faulty nuclear warheads and hid it back in my memory box. With the cardboard safely tucked beneath my bed, I crept over to the bathroom and got rid of all the excess hair and nails that I had developed in my digital prison. Not a day has passed, but I feel like I am done being sad about my heartbreak and misfortune. For this peace of mind, however, I have paid with years of my life. I do not feel my age these days. I know the explanation is absurd, but also, in the depths of my bones, I know I am much older than my driving license suggests. It didn't take long for the visage of the strange Pigman hybrid to leave my mind. Some things are far too disturbing to remember. What has stuck around, however, is the sound. Sometimes, when I'm having trouble falling asleep, or feel overwhelmed with the task at hand, I hear it. I hear the creature, and I immediately appreciate the freedom I have.
0: The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by Patrons such as Moo, Serafina L., Lucky J. Horton, Coos, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, Daniel Wengel, Mr. Creepypasta, Charlie Cooper, Dante Kincaid, and Matt. If you'd like to join these fine people in supporting the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Mike J. Langer. That's all for tonight. See you on the next episode of Cabinets of Fever Dreams.